Hey, everyone. Before we get into the show tonight, as is usually the case with anything that Jesse and I do, news broke just as we got off the air. Obviously, uh, many of you probably have heard it. Colin Hitchler, Wisconsin's co-defense coordinator and safeties coach, is leaving. He is headed to Alabama as an assistant coach under new coach down there, Kalen DeBoer. They are putting together quite the staff, and it is a really nice ad, obviously, for Alabama to get Colin Hitchler. We don't care about Alabama, care about Wisconsin and what this impact is on the Badgers, and it's obviously a, a big hit. Now, again, Wisconsin has lost assistant coaches. Jack McNell reassigned, right? And you get an upgrade, you believe, in, in A.J. Blazik. And you lose Mike Brown to Notre Dame. Mike Brown, obviously assistant uh, associate head coach, wide receivers coach, a guy that Luke Fickle had a lot of respect for, and he said the only guy he would have left to coach for was Marcus Freeman. They bring in Kenny Guyton, a guy who has obviously quite a few ties to Luke Fickle and has shown to be a solid recruiter. Probably you could make an argument that it is a, uh, a wash, in terms of losing Mike Brown and bringing in Kenny Guyton, you can make that argument. Replacing Colin Hitchler is going to be tough, especially with what he did on the recruiting trail. Now, again, Wisconsin loses assistant coaches all the time. They're not, they're not irreplaceable. But he's at Alabama for a reason, right? He's at Alabama because he's a hell of a recruiter, and he also has uh, some pretty good bona fides as a coach. He was part of a defense at Cincinnati that finished first against the pass back in 2021. He had a role this year in playing a bunch of different guys, whether it was obviously Hunter Wohler and Kamoli Latu and Preston Zachman and go on down the line of guys at at safety that Wisconsin had to use uh, this year for a variety of reasons, some of it play, some of it otherwise. But what he really made his impact at Wisconsin was on the recruiting trail and, and obviously especially in the 2024 class. You go and look at the guys that uh, he either had a, a primary role in or a secondary role in and you can – going down the list because it's all from East Coast, a lot of it from Pennsylvania, whether it's Ernest Willard Jr., Dylan Jones, running back, Kevin Haywood, Emilio Agard. Um, What he did in Pennsylvania helped Wisconsin, for being fair about this, helped Wisconsin overcome what their struggles were in keeping in-state guys home. I mean, there's there's, there's no doubt, there's no two ways about that. Uh, Getting Kevin Haywood was a an ability to overcome not getting Nathan Roy. And getting Ryan Corey kind of helps offset the loss of uh, Garrett Sexton. You know, there are a number of these things where he was able to offset some of the things that Wisconsin was not able to hold in state. Uh, you know, running back-wise, getting Dylan Jones and getting Gideon Atuka kind of makes up for not getting Corey Smith. And again, I know Wisconsin backed off that recruitment, um, whether he would end up Wisconsin or not. He's a he's a talented player. But what they they were able to overcome some of their misses in state because of what he did on the East Coast. So this is going to be a really difficult thing, I think, of you know trying to find a guy who can attack that part of the country the way that Colin Hitchler did. And you would assume... Colin Hitchler's going to stay up there when he's recruiting for Alabama, and that's going to be a, a huge pull for guys that Wisconsin perhaps would have been going after and perhaps would have been trying to to bring to Madison, maybe instead ending up at Tuscaloosa. But this is what happens in college football. Guys move on, guys move up, and that's what Colin Hitchler is doing. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy for Wisconsin and easy for Luke Fickle to find a replacement. We'll see in the coming days and coming weeks some of the names that pop up, but you would imagine, you would imagine 
that uh, whoever is hired, very similar to A.J. Blazik, what we've seen so far, and, and uh, Kenny Guyton, is a guy who has some recruiting chops. Because again, and we talk about this during the show, the importance of recruiting versus being a good coach. You need you need to be both, but getting the talent to town is so much more important, uh, it, or I should say is so important to being a successful program. And not all those guys are going to work out, but the more at-bats you get, I've always gone back to, to Ted Thompson and his draft philosophy, and again, I know college is a little bit different, but the more at you know swings that you get, the better chance you have of getting a hit and bringing as much talent as you possibly can. Some of it's going to work out, some of it's not. But the more more talent you bring in, the better chance you do of hitting home runs. And certainly we'll see how these guys play out in terms of the guys that Colin Hitchler brought to Madison. But a um, lot of talent, a lot of big players, part of Wisconsin's 2024 recruiting class that he had a huge role in, in, in making what is you know, right around a top 25 class. A lot of the guys that signed were a result of, of him. And whether Wisconsin's going to be able to uh, recreate that, we'll see. But this is a big loss. It's not a pro- program ending loss. And I know there's a lot of people looking on Twitter, a lot of people very upset and, you know, uh, understand what he meant to the program. But assistants have come and gone at Wisconsin for a long time. And uh, I'm sure Luke Fickle, what we've seen with him replacing assistants to this point, is, is going to go find somebody that is going to recruit at a very high level. And we'll see exactly how that plays out. But I did want to address it because it, the, the news came through as uh, we were getting off the air. So that said, here is uh, the rest of the show. Temple and High Alpern live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. This is Temple and High Alpern on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Yes, welcome into Temple and High Alpern live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. Getting ready for tomorrow night, Wisconsin and Indiana. Badgers looking to bounce back against the Hoosiers after a ugly effort at Penn State. Well, I shouldn't say ugly. Ugly defensively, ugly turnover-wise. Still scored 83 points, but gave up 87, which is a few too many. If, would you agree with that, Jesse? Yes, I don't think you're going to win very many games giving up 87. Yeah, we, but you're also not going to lose too many games when you, when you have... 1.2 points per possession, yes. which is what they did. Either way, we'll get to basketball a little bit later in the show, uh, but if you're looking for a place to watch the game, Monks is a great place to do it. Uh, they have TVs everywhere. We're watching some Minnesota and Michigan State right now in a Big Ten battle. Minnesota actually playing better basketball than I thought uh, they would be coming into this year, but Michigan State obviously uh, the top five team to start the year. Have not played exactly like that <laughs> pretty much all year, and that's why they're one of the uh, teams at the bottom of the Big Ten standings right now. But again, they are uh, taking on the Gophers right now. But a great place to watch it here in Sun Prairie. And then obviously the Packers game coming up on Saturday night. I bet this place is going to be rocking um, as they look to try and pull a second straight upset. We'll see if they can do it. But we're going to talk a little Wisconsin football. Wisconsin got their fifth commit in the 2025 class last night. A safety out of Ohio. Well, I guess an athlete out of Ohio who's going to play safety. Cody Haddad. Uh, 6'1", 175. Heck of an athlete, plays basketball, ran track. Uh, but he, he's number five. He had uh, offers from Nebraska and Purdue and Duke and some other uh, power four schools. But, Jesse, what do we know about Cody Haddad? Well, like you said, an athlete that they think fits in as a safety, one of those guys who does a little bit of everything for his high school team. I almost look at it more from 
where are they getting these kids from? And this is an Ohio kid. Yep. And to me, this is, frankly, where Luke Fickle and his staff should clean up, at least in part, based on their history. We know Luke in, in Ohio. Guy went to Ohio State, coached there for 15 years, and then spent another seven at Cincinnati. So nobody knows that state better right. if you're going to recruit it. And what was interesting is that in the 2024 recruiting class, as it happened, Wisconsin didn't end up with anybody from Ohio. Now, in 2023, they were able to get some people who were previously committed to Cincinnati, among others. But I think this is an area where they just have to have a ton of success. And so you go into St. Ignatius and Cleveland, and you get a kid like that who can be athletic, that they can move around in their defense. That, to me, is very important. And also just what does Mike Tressel want out of his defense of the future? Guys who can do a lot of different things, who can play in different positions. That's not entirely different from what Jim Leonard wanted. How often did he talk about the idea of multiple guys, guys who can be multiple, but it's a little bit different in terms of what Wisconsin is doing under Mike Trestle. So it's a good addition. They've already got five commits in the 2025 class, and that's a pretty good head start at this time. I'll be honest, I don't keep up with uh, Ohio football and how good all these different schools are, but back in the day, and by back in the day, I mean mid-90s, St. Ignatius, one of the better schools, maybe not just in Ohio, but in the country. So uh, a rich story. I don't know if I, I have storied program history. I don't know if it's been any good in the last 25 years, but uh, certainly was in the mid-90s. And he's, he's an interesting player. It's an interesting class to this point. As I said, they've got five guys so far. Um, what do we think of the class so far? They've got, again, they've got a couple of in-state guys. they got their quarterback in Landon Locke. They also went out and got uh, uh, Remington Moss out of Virginia. So what, what do we think so far of this class? And, again, I know what it's ranked. It, it's, it's so early those rankings really don't mean a ton, but go for it. Well, at this point, I think they've done what they've needed to do. I wouldn't necessarily say they've got that splashy guy or several guys, but it took a long time for the 2024 class. Really, things started to heat up a little before the official visit season, but then they got on the official visits. And, look, you know who you're going to target. You're bringing in guys who are very interested and serious about the Badgers, and half their signees ended up committing after that official visit season. So it's very premature, but what they've done is they've got a handful of guys where they had contacts. Obviously, you mentioned Remington Moss going into Virginia is a big deal because they don't they don't typically go into Virginia, but they have guys with good ties in the general area. Yeah. Landon Locke makes sense. <laughs> Braden's already <laughs> on the team. And you've gotten two in-state guys, which I know has been a topic of conversation since Luke Fickle got here. Michael Reske and Cooper Catalano, the linebacker from Germantown. I think people are more <laughs> intrigued by what is possible with Owen Strebig in that class, the number one ranked guy, because he's highly rated and has offers from a lot of big-time schools. But I'm more looking for what are they going to do in the future to build this out and they will but for this stage for it being january to have five guys is a good start you talk about owen streaming we talked about it on the camp yesterday mm -hmm. i don't know if i asked you this question or not yeah but going into that story and, and really going into his visit it felt like notre dame was kind of the, the team that everyone was expecting him to to land at I know we had had conversations prior to his visit that that was kind of what we were thinking as well, just based on the people that you had talked to. Do you feel any different now? I feel slightly different, and I think the his athletic director, Matt Bergen, who has been the special teams coach there for 19 years and really is the point person for all recruiting, probably said it best in my story when he said, Honest to God, I didn't even think he'd visit Wisconsin again until obviously they made the change with the offensive line position, and I think that sparked a bit of an interest. And where he said where it once felt like 
it was a done deal to Notre Dame. Yeah. Now Wisconsin is in the picture, and I do think that's the best way to put it. I'm not going to sit here and say, well, Wisconsin has surged ahead. They are really up against it and fighting an uphill battle in part because they just hired A.J. Blazek and Owen Strebick met him for the first time on Saturday at Junior Day. Strebick has had a relationship with Joe Rudolph since he was a freshman. Right. And the argument, and we talked about this on the camp, but that, well, Wisconsin is an O-line U and churns out NFL players. Hey, so does Notre Dame. Both those schools have had eight NFL draft picks since 2015. Wisconsin's going to have one this spring with Tanner Bordellini, but Notre Dame's going to have two. So... I think Wisconsin has more of a chance. And to me, what it has done, and Owen talked about this with me, it's made him rethink probably the time t- timetable. Now, he wants to commit before he is his senior season starts, but he wants to meet Blazek more. He wants to explore Wisconsin more. I just think it's going to be so tough to beat Notre Dame because that's great that Wisconsin got a junior day visit from him. Well, Marcus Freeman and uh, Joe Rudolph were scheduled to come to Catholic Memorial on Friday, one day before Owen and his family go back to South Bend for his sixth visit to Notre Dame. And obviously uh, Mario Cristobal and his uh, offensive yep. line coach was there this week as well. Did you it, see the video of Cristobal landing in a helicopter in Chicago, like right on the practice field? In Chicago? Yeah. They, well, they were, they were doing a little, I think, tour of the Midwest area before okay. before they went up to Waukesha. At least that was the video that I saw. I didn't see that. Got to make a splash. Uh, you know what? I heard about it. I had I didn't see it. More so, the the offensive line coach for them is five four. It was it was like a. It was the, I saw the picture of all those guys together, and uh, I think it was Cristobal, who's obviously an offensive line background. You got Owen Streaming, who's obviously six what six 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 seven, yeah, big six, guy, eight, six eight, whatever, whatever six, he is, seven plus. Um, and then I think the Cap Memorial coach maybe was there, and then there's the offensive line coach for, yeah. for Miami. It, it was a it was a funny visual. It was a little bit of a funny visual, but that's obviously someone that they uh, desperately want. However, there are some other guys that they are going after. Um, a guy who we may hear more from here in the next day or so would be you would think would be uh, Jimmy Scott, uh, the uh, the athlete out of Ohio who. Um, it, it feels like Wisconsin's in a good spot for him, so maybe we'll we'll hear about that in the next day or two. And then, uh, who are some of the other guys that stand out for you in the in the twenty five class? Well, they had four guys come on Junior Day, um, so that's a good start. It's tough because the weather was so bad yeah. that it really messed everything up. Wisconsin was actually supposed to have ten visitors for Junior Day, and obviously a lot of work went into that, and because of the weather. They ended up with four, so I think we'll know more in February because the hope would be potentially to have maybe back-to-back junior days or, or just to have an opportunity to have some of those guys come here. So it, to me, it's still pretty early, um, but this is the time when things start to kick into the gear. If you have been following Twitter at all, Wisconsin <laughs> is throwing out offers to people in 2025. I shouldn't say throw out. They're obviously evaluating. Yeah. And I should also say that another reason that um, – probably need a little bit more time to evaluate is this is a current open contact period so all the coaches are on the road going everywhere across the country evaluating and offering players for 2025 specifically yeah i mean matt mitchell had uh, some uh travel issues pop up i had the same thing happen to me i didn't i didn't end up with a uh 16 seat passenger van but uh, he he tweeted out that obviously they're on the road he landed last night at 11 o'clock had a reservation for a rental car and they said, uh, sorry, all we have left is a 16-person passenger van. And so he took it, went to six schools today, dropped it off, and uh, or I filled it up, returned it, and then and then got back on his plane ride. So 
that's kind of where they're at right now. We know that uh, uh, Kenny Guyton, the newest wide receivers coach down in Texas. We know that Phil Longo has been up in New Jersey. A.J. Blazek, the new offensive line coach, has been in a, a bunch of different spots, uh, visiting one of the offensive line uh, targets that they have as well. What kind of recruiters do you think they're getting? And again, it's early. I know it's un- it's a little bit maybe unfair at this point, just based on their history and, and what the at least initial impression have the of them have been. What do you think they're getting recruiting wise with Kenny Guyton and AJ Glasgow? I think from that standpoint, and this is a cliche, but their home run hires just in terms of everything we've heard about them. What Guyton did um, in the last three years. I mean, his players raved about him. He seems to have a lot of energy. And again, I should say, for people listening, we have not had an opportunity to talk to either Guyton or Blazek, but I imagine we will in sure. the near future. Um, and they they constantly need to upgrade in the wide receiver room. You need energy. You need enthusiasm. You need to have the ability to connect with people and maybe even convince them to take a chance on a place like Wisconsin. Obviously, they were able to do that last year to some degree by saying, hey, we're going to run a different system that you haven't seen here. But you want to get high-level guys who can be difference makers. Blazek, I think, is fascinating because I actually was had a conversation earlier today with Kevin Haywood's dad. Kevin Haywood's a four-star offensive lineman who's one of the early enrollees. Uh, and his stepdad, I should say, Eric Doherty. And he was talking about Blazek and said that Haywood and Ryan Corey actually both visited Vanderbilt and oh, really? were recruited heavily by A.J. Blazek. And what I found fascinating was that his stepdad said, like, they had a conversation about it, and essentially it came down to if Blazek was somewhere else and not at Vanderbilt, they would go because they they liked him that much. And one of the things that he talked about was the way Blazek broke down Kevin Haywood's film was something that really stood out. The way he went through everything and the way he made Kevin feel about things, they would go through a rep and he would say, you won this because you're bigger and faster and stronger, but here's what you could have done better. And it was constructive in a way that for the high school kid with a lot of success, you might leave feeling a type of way about it, but he actually felt like, oh, I learned something, he made me feel good about it, and I want to improve. So that, to me, in the very few conversations I've had so far since Blazek Sire has really stood out about the attention to detail, and it's something that Owen Strebick talked about, too, the way he teaches, the way he showed him, here's what I look for in an offensive lineman in terms of a nutrition plan, a strength and conditioning. It is super in detail, and so those are the things that I think have really resonated with people, and I'm interested to see how it unfolds on the recruiting trail at a place like Wisconsin. What do you think is more important? Is it what they can be as I'm in Luke Fickle's mind, not maybe not a player's mind, but in Luke Fickle's mind, is it how well he can recruit, how well he can coach in this current environment? Yeah, well, you need to be able to do both. I get that, but what, what's more important? I just don't. The other, I think it's sure it's easy to say. Well, you got to be able to recruit so you can bring in talent. But let's be real, Zach. They've had a lot of talent on paper the last three, four years, and it has not materialized into dominant offensive lines. I think at one point they had, what, seven or eight guys on the roster who were four- or five-star guys. Just because you are that does not mean you're going to succeed, and all you have to do is look at the last two five-stars that they've had, Logan Brown, who started three games but lost his spot, really, and ended up somewhere else, and um, Nolan Rucci, who was behind Jack Nelson. Now, Jack was a four-star prospect and played a lot, but so was Trey Weddick was another four-star prospect and couldn't necessarily be a consistent contributor, certainly by the second half of this past season, and ended up transferring to Indiana. So I just think... I'm sure you want me to probably definitively pick a side. I don't think I don't think you can here because I think it's got to be both. You've got to go and get the talented guys and sell Wisconsin 
But then you have to develop them in a way that they are going to be dominant because not very many true freshmen come in ready to play at Wisconsin. Yeah, you need the you need to be able to develop talent, but you also need talent to develop. Yep, it's really really tough. I think it's fifty fifty. Like honest, honestly, I don't I don't think it's a slam dunk for either one. You've got to be able to do both in this current climate, and it certainly feels like Blazek has that potential. I, I don't disagree with you, but you look at, and I'm not saying that the the best coaches aren't also at like Alabama or you know Georgia or wherever they are. But the best talent's going there. And it weeds itself out, and the best obviously rise up, and the, the rest end up at other schools. And we're kind of seeing that now with some of the stuff that's happened at Alabama. Now, again, coaching change. But even before the coaching change, there was a bunch of people in the in the transfer portal. I, to me, you grab the, as much talent as you possibly can, and your coaching is important. But I think talent in this environment is, is paramount because you're not going to have the ability to continually build guys up from their first year to their second year to their playing in their third and fourth year, which is what Wisconsin has usually done along the offensive line, guys aren't going to stick around. Like, I'm, I mean, Nolan Rucci was going to be in his fourth year, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Trey Wedig was about to be in his fifth year. The, the guys are not necessarily going to stick around and wait for their spot anymore. They're going to go somewhere else. And so I think it's, uh, it's, it's tough. You want to be able to develop guys, but you also have to be able to just get the talent here, hope it's good, and, you know, and, and you work with it, and you have really good coaches work with it, but you have to get the talent here in the first place. And that has always been the bigger concern. Maybe not along the offensive line. I guess maybe that's a little bit different because you have so many in-state guys that, that end up here. But you gotta, you got to have the talent to coach in the first place. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, Wisconsin off to a solid start in the 2025 class, and so even the 2026 class is now starting. Those offers are starting to go out as well. So, uh how is it 2026 recruiting already? Because it never ends, Zach. Two and a half <laughs> years at a time. <laughs> it is crazy. It is crazy. All right, we're going to come back to the other side, talk a little realistic expectations for when Wisconsin should be in the college football playoff. Also, CBS Sports gave their grades for first-year coaches. Uh, Luke Fickles, average. We'll talk about that coming up on the other side as well. This is Temple in Heilprin, live from Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back into Temple in Heilprin, live at Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. Talk a little Badger football. Talk a little recruiting in the first segment of the show. Going to talk a little bit about the college football playoff here, Jesse. Um, realistic expectations. It's going to 12. We actually had this conversation last year. I don't know if we did, but uh, Ben Kenny and I did. And I was looking through some shows last year and kind of what we were talking about at this time of the year. And, and last year it was about the 14 playoff, right? And it was, what's realistic? Could they get there in year one? And obviously <laughs> that did not happen. Um, did anyone say they could? I did not, and I don't think Ben did either. But like, at the at the four team playoff, it's it wasn't really realistic to anytime soon. The twelve team playoff, based on what we've seen for the last few years, also maybe not realistic, especially with all the teams coming in. But I'd like to take get your take on it. Wisconsin sitting here, um, seven and six the last two. Or excuse me, uh, yeah, seven and six the last two years. They have Oregon and Washington and USC and UCLA coming into the Big Ten. The a the you know the Big Ten West no longer exists. What is a realistic 
expectation or timetable for Wisconsin for Wisconsin fans to expect the Badgers to be in contention and make the 12-team playoff? I think it's one thing to be in contention and another to actually make it. Um, and I, I don't have a timetable for this because I that's not acceptable that's, because that's, I just don't see it happening in the near future. <laughs> and I don't want to be the Debbie Downer here, but I, I'm just gonna go down the list of how the AP Top 25 finished out this year, and I realize that every year is going to be different in some capacity because you got the transfer portal, but if you've got a program that has a great quarterback, you're probably going to pony up and get another great quarterback, as we've seen. I mean, Oregon just replaced Bo Nix with Dylan Gabriel, right? Yep. <laughs> um, but Michigan finished first, won a national title. Uh, Washington lost the national title game, finished second, and um, there's a handful of other teams that happen to be highly rated. Oregon was sixth. Ohio State was 10th. Penn State was 13th. How many teams is that? Five? Five, yes. I do not envision those five falling off a cliff. Now, oh, Michigan man. might because Jim Harbaugh Washington situation. Might. I suppose Washington might. Um, but you're going to have to consistently beat those teams in addition to Are you, though? The, the other. You don't, well, you don't play Michigan next year. Well, you're going to have to be in a better position than them. So, well, they, all right, but they have to. They have to. Like that's that's the craziness about the 18 team play yeah. or the 18 team Big Ten is you're going to have multiple teams nine and two or excuse me a nine and three, ten and two. Yeah, the tiebreakers that are going to end up sending those teams to the Big Ten title game. It, it's it's going to be crazy, and I, I, I it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But how many Big Ten teams could make it? You think? Um, three, probably. I mean, realistically, like, the two teams that have played in the Big Ten Championship game have both been typically... <laughs> that's not fair. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> the two teams from the Big Ten East... Yes, there you go. <laughs> ...have both been top ten teams. And uh, usually there's a third, whether it's Penn State. I, I, I just... It's, I have a hard time seeing it because it's going to be so hard, and Wisconsin still has to get to a place where it can consistently beat the other teams that it used to, like... The Iowa's of the world. I didn't even mention USC, which kind of tapered off at the end of the season. Because they, they did not finish in the top 25. Right, but just programs that are consistently good or have been the last few years, like, you're, you have to be better than consistently good, which Wisconsin has been. And so I do think the 12-team playoff opens the door in a way that the 14-team playoff didn't for Wisconsin because you knew what it was going to be. Well, you're going to have to win the Big Ten Championship, which they haven't done since 2012, and now you don't have to do that. Put it's harder to get to that point almost. So the timetable, would, if I said five years, would that feel comfortable? And I mean, <laughs> Luke Fickling could be here in five years if they don't make the college football playoff. You don't think five. so? No. What if they're in the top 15 and on the right on the outskirts there? Every single year? No. So being like 9-3? I don't know. 8-4? If Wisconsin's 9-3, yeah. most years based on their, I guess it depends who they lose to, right? Yeah. Based on their schedule, they're going to be in the conversation for it at 9-3. Most Big Ten teams, if they're going nine and three, are going to be in the conversation for it. So, is it they were they were what eight and four in twenty one? They were not in the top twenty five that year because they lost all the games that actually mattered. Um, so there are, I mean, against the, the best teams, right? They beat Purdue that year. They beat Iowa, but they also obviously lost to the teams that were actually good: um, Penn State and Michigan and Notre Dame. So right. <laughs> I, I don't think Luke Fickle gets to five years if, if they don't make the college football playoff. Hmm. Does that mean you think they will make the college football playoff in the next five years? I didn't say that. <laughs> but I also look at next year, and I look at that schedule, and I'm like, all right, well, Alabama feels like it's going to take a step back, right? Um, 
you know, you look at USC, it feels like they may take a step back. Yeah. Those games, and I know USC's at, at USC. I don't think that's necessarily a, a demanding college environment for the opposing team coming in. But obviously Penn State comes to Madison, and uh, you have Oregon as well, right? So your toughest games are at home. What could they do next year? I think there are some teams that take a step back, but you're right. They still have to go and beat Iowa, yeah. and they, right. they still have to go and beat some of the teams that they haven't been able to, to beat of late, which is kind of crazy because they you know, had really taken care of Iowa you know, on a year-to-year basis. Right. Got so, embarrassed against Northwestern. I mean, it's just... I don't know what to expect, and again, I do think going through year one here, it certainly makes you temper your expectations. But like, where where do I say? Well, they're a championship level team now. Again, so many questions. I mean, what version of Tyler Van Dyke shows up? Can yeah. Malusi stay healthy? The wide receiver room is basically the same wide receiver room, except you lost a couple guys who were key contributors. So, like, well, are they going to take a market jump? That it's just going to be if they're going to give me what they, you haven't seen. If they're going to give me what they gave in the bowl game, well, sure. I, right, you can't, but you can't say you haven't seen it. I saw it in the bowl game again. Now LSU's defense got yes. hammered every single time <laughs> they played this year. I don't. Right. I, that's not. But we saw it from the wide receivers. They are capable of those type yes. of things. If I'm going to get that offense every single game or on a regular basis, not not every single game, but on a regular basis, that's the type of offense you're going to get. I give Wisconsin a very good chance to make the college football playoff. It's a lot of ifs, and the quarterback who is leading it is gone. So is. it's just there's so many questions. It's I don't know the the 18 team Big Ten and the level of qu- the quality and depth just muddles this whole thing to ha- give a definitive statement on it in my mind. It does. I would agree. Um, all right. So also CBS Sports graded out all the first year coaches this year, and uh, they gave Luke Fickle a C for his first year. Is that too high? Is it too low? Just right? Honestly, it feels fair to me. Um, he created a lot of energy, a lot of hype, obviously. Was able to bring in players that Wisconsin might not normally have gotten, but what matters in the end, it's the on-field results. And I know he was inheriting a team that hadn't been particularly good for the last three years and ended up with the same record, but there were some losses that Wisconsin team just sh- shouldn't have. You know, you go on the road and and lose at Indiana, then you'll have a real stinker at home against Northwestern. I will give, I, I think he deserves a lot of credit for at a time when there could be a crisis in confidence and it looks like things are falling apart and would not have been surprised if it ended 5-7 and seven in the regular season, to help this team along, and obviously it took the players too, get them to beat Nebraska, to beat Minnesota, and then play a very competitive game. Wisconsin almost won. That says a lot to me about the potential direction of the program. But this is still a team that went 7-6 and six and had an offense that averaged 23.5 points per game. He's not going to use the year one excuse, so neither am I. Yeah. He, uh, I'm not sure who wrote this. Um, Sheehan Diraja. Uh, he had them, he had Luke Fickle with a C, and he, and he said expectations were high and Fickle failed to meet him. And, you know, back-to-back losses to Indiana Northwestern with a low point of the year. Yes. Fickle has work to do. I think those are all, I think that's all accurate. I mm-hmm. think that is all accurate. Where I would take a little bit of issue with is Matt Rule, who did not win, uh, go to a bowl game, did not finish above 500, mm-hmm. is at Nebraska, which has recruited at a very similar level to Wisconsin, and uh, 
all that good stuff. Played multiple quarterbacks, as did Wisconsin. Gave him a, he gave him a B minus. And he said, flipping quarterback recruit Dylan Riola from Georgia helps raise his grade. Why? That has was, nothing was, to was do. That part of the, was that part of the season? Was that part of year one? That wasn't part of year one. Mm-hmm. That's a 2024 class. That has nothing to do with year one. If you're going to, why don't you give credit to Luke Fickle for signing a top 25 class at Wisconsin then, which doesn't happen very often. I I don't understand it at all. Like, that's that's just a BS addition. They still lost all the same games that they lost the year before. They were horrible in 2022 in close games. They were just as bad in 2023 in close games. I don't understand where they improved. The criteria makes no sense, but I will say a lot of this comes down to that, that word, expectations, and what Wisconsin was supposed to be picked to win the Big Ten West again and didn't do it again. And um, But that's why I think Luke is perhaps being judged more harshly when you compare it to Nebraska, which just has stunk since i mean hasn't made a bowl game since 2017 so going five and seven is actually the best record they've had since 2016 other than the 2019 team under scott frost that also went five and seven so like i'm not saying it's fair i'm not saying it's fair just saying that i think that's where it comes from so expectations were low right for nebraska yeah were they lower higher or lower than for colorado who had won one game the year before is this where you're going to tell me what Deion sanders grade was a c plus <laughs> like they were relevant for a month, and that was a month longer than anybody thought they would, and be. a month longer than Nebraska was. <laughs> so I hey, don't know. It's, it's I didn't write this, man. I know you didn't. I'm just I, I I'm throwing t- some blocks up. The only I mean, the one grade that I would obviously agree with is Jeff Brom. He gave him an A. Oh yeah, for what they were able to do uh, at Louisville. That was obviously um, very very impressive. So I don't disagree with the, ga- the, the grade with Luke Fickle, uh, but if you're going to give him a C. You can't be giving Matt Rule anything higher than a C either. So, in my opinion, in my opinion. All right, coming back on the other side, we're going to talk a little basket. Oh, no, wait, before we go to break, what's a reasonable expectation for a grade for, for next year for Fickle? What 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 would he, what would you be shooting for if B. you were? Yeah. What does you you got to show improvement. What does B look like? So that's the hard thing is because, and I've heard a lot of people say this, they could be a better team and still end up with an 8-4 record. record or something, 7-5. and five. I mean, I don't think 7-5 and five is, is going to cut it, but and neither is 8-4, and four, but... I think that's where it starts. I think eight and four kind of does. All right. Well, then that's that. Maybe that's be worthy from where you're coming from. I, I don't know. But Based on the schedule. Based on the schedule. Yeah. That's the, that's. He keeps coming back to that. I know. There's does. a reason why. And then, yeah. Yeah. Because you. <laughs> it's really hard. Because you scheduled Alabama, yeah. um, and then you, and then the Big Ten expanded, and all of a sudden you have three marquee games every single year. Yeah. It is what it is. It is what it is. But I think I think. I don't know. That if they go eight and four, it's a B. It obviously depends what it looks like, mm-hmm. but we'll see. We'll see. Coming back on their side, going to play a little overreaction. Know with the basketball team is they struggled, struggled on the road at Penn State and, and fell for the first time in Big Ten play. This is Temple in Heilprin, live from Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back into Temple and Heilbrunn. We are at Monk's Mar- Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. Jesse got some food to go. What are you, what are you getting? To, what did you, you get to go? Going with the crispy chicken sandwich today. You got to mix it up. So that's what that's what's happening here tonight. It, to, but to go, to go, to go. All right, right. got got plans. But you can do that. You can stop by. You can get some food. Take it to go. If that's what uh, is going on with your night here at Monk's Bar and Grill. All right, Wisconsin, the basketball team. 
moved up to number 11 in the AP poll this week and promptly went on the road and put together their worst performance since Arizona? Well, it's the I last mean, time they lost. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Arizona so, yeah. was really good. I would more put this in the vein of Providence and what happened against Providence because Providence destroyed them on the defensive end. Back then, they were not uh, scoring the ball nearly as well as they did the other night against Penn State. But it was uh, it was a flashback. Their defense, they have been able to overcome some of their, their defensive inefficiencies or their defense, the lack of defense because they've been so good offensively. Um, they were unable to overcome it on Tuesday night. So a uh, little overreaction or no, or no, or nah, a reaction or nah with uh, the Wisconsin basketball team. Wisconsin's defense just isn't good enough to win the Big Ten or go deep into March. Is that an overreaction or no? So I'm going to say that's an overreaction. It is. <laughs> the defense that showed up against Penn State is probably not the ideal way to go. This is still a team that ranks 38th in the Ken Palm rankings in adjusted defensive efficiency. I realize that's not necessarily as high as past Wisconsin teams. I believe that was like a drop of like 18 spots. No, they were 35th before. Um, like going into the Penn State game? Uh, they were 35th last they moved week. up, so. I um, Either way, I don't, I don't think it was substantial, but I mean, here's the uh, Penn State. I don't want to say they just made shots. I mean, there were some bad defense, but like there were a lot of shots. Ace Baldwin was just on fire, and and Kanye Clear finished with 27 points. They they did a lot of things really well, and also you can't deny the fact that Wisconsin offensively was really good. Now, as we saw, it doesn't necessarily matter if you're going to give up a bunch of points, but I think this defense is capable of a lot more. And just look at the landscape of the Big Ten. I'm, I certainly can't sit here and say that they're, they're not. I still think they're one of two or three teams that are going to end up with a legitimate chance to win the Big Ten. So I'm not going to let the last couple games dictate how I feel about the defense in total. Yeah. Uh, Jacob asked a question. We asked her for the swing, but I feel like I'll, I'll bring it in here because we're not going to do the swing until next week. So because of what Providence did, what Arizona did, what Penn State did, some athletic guards, right? Yeah. And Wisconsin got exposed. Uh, he is wondering, are there changes, improvements, slash improvements that you believe can be made with this with player execution, or is this a gap that just exists within the roster and a zone maybe is something that could be thrown into there? I don't know if I see them playing a zone. Um, so the, my, my favorite story of zone at Wisconsin yeah. is Bo Ryan at a practice one time. It must have been 2014-15, and they went zone. I think the opponent went zone. And they got, like, four straight offensive rebounds, Wisconsin, the Wisconsin ones did. And he turned to the media over there. He goes, that's why we don't play zone. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great story. You're right, though. Some of those athletic guards have given them challenges, long, lanky guys who can get into the lane, create their own shot. Um, it's, it's hard to say. Like, again, some of those shots, you just kind of tip your cap. Yeah. Other ones, sure, you'd like to have better defense. But I... I it's really it's matchup based, and I, I mean, you think about well, who's going to be on them? I mean, I like Chucky Hepburn when he's playing defense. Right. I, I like that matchup. AJ Store, someone defensively continues to get better, but I know that's an area that they'd like to see more out of him. Yep. Connor Siegen, we know defensively that's yep. not been his strong suit. Um, so, and Max Klesman, I want him out there defensively, but he yeah. was in foul trouble. So foul I think trouble. that's another thing to consider. Like he ended up fouling out. His minutes got cut down significantly. Like 15. He played 15 minutes. This is a guy who's going to give you 30-plus minutes every night when he can. So you have to factor that in, too. Most of those guys on the court, 
you'd say, well, their strong suit, or one of them, is defense. Yeah. And I, and I think certainly after the game, Greg Gard was not getting any outs in terms of uh, the, the fan or the, the, the officials did this to us type of stuff. Yeah. It was the defense was not good enough. Max, when he was out there, was not in position, and he was reaching. And that you can't do that when you're not in position. You can't do that. And so there were – he knew that they had had some issues defensively. It's something that I'm sure has concerned him since the start of the season. They have just been so good offensively that they've been able to overcome it. And they were really good offensively, at least points per possession-wise, the other day. It just wasn't good enough. They were they were over they were north of 1.2 points per possession, but it, uh, Penn State was even higher. Yeah, not by a ton, just by a smidgen. But they were they were higher. So you're not going to win too many games like that. But you're also not going to lose when you have Wisconsin's defense and we know what they can be. You're not going to lose too many games when you are north of 1.2. I really thought Wisconsin was win- was going to win the game when Max hit the three that finally gave Wisconsin yep. its first lead. It was just like. This is a game Wisconsin has been terrible in, and yet the Badgers have a lead. And I have to give credit to Penn State. Every time Wisconsin tied the game and the one time they got a lead, Penn State figured it out and managed to score. And, I look, Penn State, uh, they are better than what I thought they were, and I know this is a transition time because they, they got a, a new coach and implementing a new system in year one. Yeah. So that reminds me because there was something that happened around that time when Wisconsin took the lead. Then they come down and they tie it up. And then Wisconsin goes back down and Chucky went into the lane and got the ball stripped from him, right? And then they go back down and score. Yeah. Wisconsin being loose with the ball is fine because they're scoring at such a high rate. Uh, That is... um, Is that an overreaction? Or no? That is... It's an overreaction. uh, Yeah, that's an overreaction. I always... I always it's, have to pause about, wait, do I, does this mean yes or does this mean no? Yep. Uh, <laughs> Being loose with the ball is never a good thing, so it's no, an overreaction. That's correct. Thank you for <laughs> I'm uh, filling in the blanks for Breaking it down one. for you. They have to be better. They, I mean, there are stretches where they have more turnovers in the first half than what they average in a game in, okay. in most seasons. And so it has to be better. I understand sometimes there's pressure, but they're also making mistakes that you just you can't make mistakes. I think early in the game, Tyler Wall just kind of, Lost his dribble, lost the ball out of bounds. Yeah. You, you stuff you can't have happen. So, especially absolutely. from a guy that that experienced. Yeah, and but but it's been across the board too. So, I mean, he uh, had thir- five of them, five of the thirteen. Thir- yeah, thirteen turnovers in a game in general. But yeah, obviously five, not ideal from from Tyler Wall. Last two last two games, twenty five turnovers. Yep, it's way too many. Near twenty percent of their possessions have been turnovers in the last two games. That's not that's not good. It's not good. Now again, they scored eighty three points. They were able to overcome their mistakes but they 16 i mean the 13 uh, 13 turnovers turned into 16 points for penn state you're just making it too easy for the other team you can't do that especially when you're not as strong defensively as maybe you have been in, in past years but i still think the defense can be uh it's fixable that's why i wasn't freaking out about the other night turnovers are fixable yeah defense is fixable even with the concern about maybe quick guards impacting them I feel like it's a conversation we have every single year, every single time a team has a quick guard and has a great game against Wisconsin. We're like, oh, boy, here we go again. Yeah. Can't deal with quick guards. Chucky Kepburn's a quick guard. Yep. He's, he's a very good defender. I I think they're going to be fine there. Um, one more here. The Penn State loss has me questioning what Wisconsin is capable of this season. Is that an overreaction or no? That's an overreaction. Um, I mean, 
Wisconsin has still scored at least 70 points in 11 consecutive games, if I'm not mistaken. Did I miss one? Maybe my math is bad. I feel like it... Is it? Yeah. Yeah? Pretty sure. Okay. Um... Because even in the Arizona loss, they went 70-plus. They just happened to give up 98. Yeah. Um, I think the last time they were under 70 was SMU in the Fort Myers tip-off. I feel like that, that November. I, I feel like that number might – maybe I'm thinking of Big Ten games because I thought it was like right around – I thought it was 8 or 9 or 10. Uh, it was. Uh, but they've, man, they've managed irrelevant. to just get over 70 late against Ohio State and Northwestern. Either way, the point I'm making is – uh, I like you're saying. I think those are fixable things. The two biggest concerns have to be moving forward: defense and turnovers. But the scoring and the depth and everything we've talked about early in the season is still there, and that's got to be tremendously encouraging. So I, I'm still very high on this team's chances moving forward. Wisconsin, Indiana tomorrow night. Vital, vital to get back on the right track, though. Yeah, I'd say so. You don't want to lose too straight. And then you got to go to Minneapolis and play the Gophers, a Gophers team that's, like you said, been playing better. And Michigan State comes here. Michigan State. Death taxes and Tom Izzo's Michigan State team somehow getting better as the season progresses. I think it's a, a really important one for them to beat Indiana on Friday night. I, remember when, I wonder the last time Wisconsin swept Michigan State. I'd have to look it up. I don't I, know. Because going to and getting a win at Breslin was always like, oh, can't believe they did that. I know they did it when in 2020 when there were no fans in the stands, or 20, whatever that was, 2020, 2021. I remember watching that game on Christmas. I think it was on Christmas Day. Um, so it's been a while. It's been a while. But, uh, yeah, big one with, against Indiana tomorrow night, and then, as you mentioned, Minnesota next week. All right, going to come back on the other side, finish up the show. As uh, going to talk a little uh, Iowa football and the ninth-year <laughs> man in college football. Stay tuned. This is Temple in Heilprin, live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back into Temple and Heilprin. Finish up the show with uh, a couple of non-Wisconsin topics, but they're, I mean, they're they're Wisconsin adjacent. Wisconsin adjacent. Uh, we'll start with this one. D- well, maybe no. What? You know, we're gonna start with this. One. We're gonna start with uh, Cam McCormick. The name probably does not send uh, like send off any bells in your head. Probably never heard the name before. He's a tight end. He plays for Miami, kind of. He uh, is coming back for his ninth season. He had season-ending injuries in 2018, 2019, 2020, and 2021. He is in the same class that. Tyler Biotich, Quintez Cephas, A.J. Taylor, Cole Van Lannon. That's the class that he was a part of. And he is going to be playing this fall in college football, 2024, down in Miami uh, for the Hurricanes. I don't know how much he's going to be playing. I think he's he had some success maybe earlier in his career, but the injuries maybe have taken their toll. Re- reaction to a, to a ninth-year player? We heard Luke Fickle uh, take issue with seventh-year guys. Is yeah. this really even college football? And this guy's going two years past that. Yeah, I believe he's had five different season-ending injuries, got two extra years, and then you've got a COVID year. I'm just here for the jokes, Zach. I went to look this up for the story on The Athletic, and the first comment is that this guy is like Van Wilder. <laughs> Eventually, there's going to be 30-plus-year-olds playing college football because of all these exemptions. Uh, I just said off-air, like, Van Wilder, l- low-key, uh, 
holds up. One of my favorite movies, maybe ever. It holds I up. haven't laughed. I haven't laughed harder in the first thirty minutes of a movie. I just rewatched it a couple weeks ago. Ryan Reynolds hilarious. Yes, love that movie. Yeah. Second comment here. <laughs> so proud of you, Dad. <laughs> and the, the response is he wants to play with his kid like LeBron. <laughs> so that's I'm here for the jokes on the 25 year old ninth year. Uh-oh. He's not even a senior. He's not even a super senior. I, I don't. They need a new name for that. Rashawn Gary is in that was in that class, and he just signed a, a huge new deal with the Packers. Nick Bosa was in that class, just is uh, obviously playing for the Packers and has signed a huge deal as well. Like he's they're like into their second contracts, and they were in the same class as him. So congratulations to him for getting another year. Uh, a lot of perseverance, a lot of perseverance to to still be sticking around college at at uh, the age of twenty five. Yeah. I mean, Usually those are the Mormons that, uh, that take their missions and then end up, you know. But even them, they're not they're, they're only there for seven or eight. I mean, they're, they're probably like 24, 23, 24. This dude was 25. It kind of reminds me of Daryl Bevel. He was the same age yes. as Brett Favre, like when, or right around the same age as Brett Favre when he was leading Wisconsin to the Rose Bowl and, and Favre was in his second year as a starter. It was it was kind of funny, but I'd like to give a shout out to Key and Peel sketch uh, Adversity Johnson if you haven't seen it. <laughs> Right up this one, this alley. <laughs> uh, the other story is Iowa. So they, they, we know what collectives are. The, the obviously trying to build some uh, some funds up to give to players. Not pay for play. It's not how we do things. That's <laughs> not how things are handled. That's not how anybody's doing anything. But the collectives uh, are certainly uh, such a huge part of uh, recruiting. And um, you know, once once kids get on campus, well, Iowa's collective this week raised $100,000 in a single day. All from, I assume, donations from from fans, not like any huge donations coming from any particular entity. But they raised $100,000 in one day. It just so happened to be on the same day. And again, I'm not I'm not connecting them, but maybe some people out there are <laughs> connecting them. On the same day that Caden Proctor, an offensive lineman at Alabama who started all 14 games for the Tide this year, hit the transfer portal. A fish, or it, it broke out, or it News broke that they that he hit the transfer portal. Reaction to a, them raising $100,000, it just so happens to be on the same day that a guy that could potentially be coming back home, he is from Iowa, so yes. he's potentially coming back home, uh, they raised 100, 100 grand. I'm conflicted about this, Zach, because part of me is sort of sad and finds it slightly pathetic. <laughs> I realize I'm saying this as someone who covers college football and whose yeah. livelihood <laughs> depends on what college football is now, but like... You're going to raise a hundred grand for this, and you could raise it for a lot of other better causes. Then some people might argue, what's a better cause than getting a five-star offensive lineman who can help you? I don't know, average more than six points a game, right? Uh, but on the other hand, I mean, more power more to power you, man. To you. This yep. is it's not under the table anymore. If this is legit, I mean, I was official football Twitter account was tweeting out this collective, the swarm collective. So it's good for business and it's good for publicity and guarantee you i'm sure caden proctor's aware of that yeah <laughs> so again this uh, pay for play whatever it is um i remember having a conversation last spring with with brian mason who runs wisconsin's nil yeah. and i asked him like what's the one thing you would tell fans and he was like one-time donations that's not what this is about we need to continue to raise money we need to continue to to um, have funds on hand to then you know help our student athletes in whatever endeavors that they're trying to do and and uh, to to help because like one time thing is not is, is not going to get it done. This is kind of like season tickets where you have to pay every single year. You need to 
or give a donation just to get season tickets, which is what you have to do at Wisconsin. Um, like, those are just not one-time things. You have to do that every single year, and that's kind of what NIL is. It cannot just be a one-time thing. It has to be a multiple-time thing. Uh, all right, Jesse, we'll talk next week. Sounds good. Thanks, Zach. You've been listening to Temple and High.